Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to the second episode of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Summer Dental Laboratories in Zionsville, Indiana. Hi guys, I'm Barbara Wojan from Night Dental Group, Oldsmar, Florida. Glad to be here. Wow, Barb. I can't believe we made it to episode number two. Do you think we were going to make it? Absolutely. Can't <laughs> wait to go. <laughs> Second episode makes me think that we're in our terrible twos. So if I happen to have a temper tantrum or a total meltdown during this episode, please excuse me. As you know, we will grow out of it. You're excused already. I don't know if I can make any promises. We got a we got a we got a busy couple of weeks coming up between the both of us. Uh next week I'm pretty excited. I'm gonna be at the Southeastern Conference of Dental Laboratories in Louisville next weekend. You get to do some uh case studies where you focus on day-to-day operations of building your business's value, you know, which is something we're always looking to do here at summer. And I'll be at the uh, AACD uh, annual meeting in Chicago, Illinois, uh, in the next couple of weeks as well, getting my CE credits on and talking to docs and looking at beautiful work and listening to lectures. So I'm excited about that. Do you really have a problem getting CE credits throughout the year or do you get it all <laughs> within the first week of the year? I pretty much get it all in the first week of the year. So I figured I, as I much. Enjoy, I enjoy going away with you guys. I enjoy NADL and I enjoy uh, the AACD. It's uh, it's really a part of my uh, it's a part of my makeup going away and, and hobnobbing with all my friends. So I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes it's really the only vacation I get. So it's pretty <laughs> exciting. Yeah. It's the only time I ever leave the lab is when I go to another meeting. <laughs> Talk about your marathon. Yeah, it's 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 done and in the banks. It might be my last one. I don't know. Why? The hype is too much for me these days. What does that mean, the hype? Getting ready? Just the taper before, the getting up early, the crowds of people. I just like to run and I don't need all that BS. Well, why don't you do like a smaller marathon? Don't you guys have smaller, more, less populated ones? Yeah. Plus, I mean, I can do it on my own, really. I know, but there's something about competition that I love. It makes my stomach crazy and my nerves go crazy. But it's still one of those things where I like to time myself. I like to see where I come in ahead of everybody else, my age group. And, you know, I sort of kind of just like to judge uh, how old I am in terms of <laughs> how I do when I race. So I, but I understand what you're saying. Training is a bitch, especially for marathons. It's crazy. Plus you get a t-shirt. It's amazing. I, th- I just think you're amazing. I love it. I've only done like four halves and one day I'm going to do because that, that's exactly why my, you know, where the you're going to find the time unless it's at the crack of dawn. So, but you know what? I it was on Saturday. I was running again on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, that's pretty sweet. So you didn't take a hell of a lot of time off. Good for you. So let's continue with part two of our interview with Professor Renata Budney from New York City College of Technology. This fascinating conversation with Renata continues with a discussion of life after graduation and her involvement with the NADL. We hope you enjoy. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We get dentists from other countries 
that their degrees don't qualify them to be dentists in this country. So they end up coming to our school and uh, going this route. Yeah, I think I met one of them at the uh, CDT Fest out in Chicago. That's what I was going to ask about the CDT designation. So do your students, do you promote that with your students? Is it um, absolutely a pathway to get certified? Do they do they want to get certified? Do they talk about getting certified? Well, with, with, when they enter, they really don't know much about the profession. So it's not just our program. I want to speak for programs across the country. All, this, uh, all the programs across the country are teaching students to become RGs, at least RGs. Excellent. So I know that all the CODA accredited programs, um, or most of them, hold the exams in their facilities and they prepare the students for the two years, giving them many multiple choice exams and guiding them through those, you know, tough questions that where they have to really sit and problem solve and be critical thinkers mm -hmm. to make sure that they prepared well for these uh, exams. And I statistically, our students are doing uh, much better than people who are in the industry because they do have that preparation. Excellent, thank you. For the listeners, what is an RG? RG stands for the Recognized Graduate, and you can take this exam, which contains 160 questions in all aspects of dental technology. You can take take it after graduating from the two-year um, program hmm. in dental laboratory technology. So you have to go through an accredited school to take the RG test. Right, but then you can also have experience in the field and I believe you need five years of experience in the field to be able to take the comprehensive exam which is sort of you know the equivalent to RG exam where you have 160 questions and you have to answer those questions based on morphology occlusion you're talking about materials equipment uh, you know all phases of fixed removable orthodontics implants so every and, and CAT cam um, so everything is mixed in into that particular um, exam. Now, CDT, uh, to become a CDT, you have to pass three exams. One is the RG or comprehensive exam, and then you have specialty exams, which would be one written exam, 80 questions, and let's say ceramics, crown and bridge, dentures, partial dentures, um, or implants. And then you have the practical exam, which where you actually have to show your manual skills of being able to produce restorations on your own from start to finish. And a graduating student from your school would be able to do that? No, not the practical exam, because you have to remember, in two years, you can only, you know, gain the, the knowledge and understanding. You really don't have it in your hands. You don't have enough experience. We do teach them procedures from start to finish, but they are not proficient in experiences because they've only learned in a classroom. So they have to really go to the profession and have at least two, three, four years to be able to take the practical exam and be able to finish it in five hours to show that they're proficient in all of these tasks. Hmm. They cannot, they, they, they probably cannot do it after the graduating the programs unless they already working in the field while they're going to school. Do you see a lot of that? students working in a lab while they're taking the courses? Um, not often, but it happens. But I see our students working in variety of different places when they do come to college. So we are the commuter college and our students, majority of them do work, do have families. 
so do have obligations and uh, they pick up they pick up lab work either during the program of study or after they graduate. Interesting. And not all of not all of them are going to stay in a profession. Some of them go on to earn higher degrees. Some of them move on to other uh, places. And if if we have maybe fifty percent of them staying or or a little bit more, you know that's about how much this. And then every year we used to lose. I mean, we always lose some students over the years because it's tough to make it in a profession in the beginning. You know, the salaries are not. Um, the greatest and you have to really put in effort to gain that experience to be proficient and to start making the money for the lab owners um, so it takes three years of experience even after the school you know to to gain the momentum in dental technology interesting awesome. what do you what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that you that you come across running a school budget um enrollment and uh, faculty faculty it's a big issue finding the right faculty for the right courses and finding faculty with credentials a lot of the faculty we have know the the traditional analog way of doing things so as faculty we have to really revamp our skills and retrain ourselves to once again become experts in the classroom we run into that problem just in a lab um, having technicians that are used to the way they did it 30 years ago compared to what they do now. And it's difficult. It's difficult to find people that can grow with the technology. Do you ever have students come back to teach? Well, majority of our faculty are actually alumni of the program. I am one of them. Um, we have a bunch of other alumni. So I, I have to say that we always tell our students, go out there, gain experience, get your degrees, get your certification, and you know what, come back, let us know, and we find you a spot. Mm. And uh, we are very happy that a lot of our alumni have come back and are teaching. Yeah, that says a lot about the program. I'll tell you, from uh, at the CDT Fest, um, when you and I were sitting together and you ran into a former student, um, just the amount of respect that he had for you was really, really cool. And the fact that he had gone out, found a great job, came back, guys ran into each other. Kudos to you. I mean, just uh, all the things that he said to you about how you were teaching and how you gave him discipline and how you taught him all about life and being responsible. So I thought that was really cool. That's, you know, that's what makes it all worthwhile. And that's what makes the profession of an educator, you know, any type of educator so rewarding you know those are the moments you you hope for and you strive for and these are the fruits of my hard labor that <laughs> I keep yeah. picking up here and there and they make me go and they just motivate me it motivated me standing next to the two of you and just seeing the energy and the respect it was really special so thanks so maybe you want to come up and become a faculty you want to <laughs> oh i'm coming back you know i'm coming back next november so i i think i'll be coming back every year every november we are going to be very happy to have you back every day <laughs> and motivate us and our students. Thank Absolutely. you. Where do you foresee your school going in five or ten years? You see it, I mean, you get a new building, so obviously you have more space, I hope. Are you looking Actually, to... We have the same space. Really? <laughs> we have the same amount of space, but... It's a brand new space and we are very excited about it. And what we're trying to, to do now, we're working for the last couple of years uh, on revamping our curriculum 
And because of the changes in the profession, that's not such an easy thing as just rearranging classes. So we're trying to really make it work and make it um, sustain itself for years to come. And you're talking about five or 10 years. It's probably going to take for this transition to happen, you know, three to four years or so because of the red tape and a long process that it takes to actually bring the, you know, new classes, new curricula online in the universities. But uh, we're very excited that we might be able to shape it differently and to make it ready for the next uh, century, let's say. But as dentistry is already looking into 2040, you know, we have to be looking into 2030, 2040 of how our curricula can fulfill that gap and the need. And, you know, as you can see, our profession is in such flux. And as much as we know where it's going, we really don't. So same thing with education. We always lag behind a little bit because we're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work for the profession. But trust me when I tell you, all the educators are paying attention and we are really on top of things, trying to bring it online. So when our graduates go into a work environment, they are, they are marketable, they are employable, and uh, the, the employers, the labs can find value in hiring our graduates. Are you, te are you teaching mind reading or wizardry? Because you need a lot of that in the lab. We tend to end up working a lot of miracles. Do you teach that? Ah, uh, we're trying, you know, we're trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are the magicians. We tell the students, you know, you gotta make the magic happen, but then we gotta try to show them the science behind it so th they know how it happens and they could be the problem solvers and um, troubleshooters. Yeah, we tend to have to know what the doctor was thinking a lot of the times, even though he didn't write it down for us on a script. Right. So students have to figure that out while making cases and during the exam exams as well. And they always complain about tricky questions. And, you know, that kind of refers to, you know, you get the case and it's a tricky case because you don't know how to answer it or uh, interpret it. So that kind of relates to it. How do you deal with terminology from dentists being different. You know, you have one dentist that calls it a PFM. You have one dentist that calls it a fixed partial denture, even though it's still a PFM. How do you handle all of that? Well, we teach them that there are varieties in different terminologies, depending on who went to which school and, you know, which school of thought they, they uh, learn from. So, I try to give the students four or five different terms for PFM, for example, that they can find in uh, lectures or when they talk to the doctors or other clinicians. So um, terminology is something that they've learned throughout two years. And, and then when you go, and even me, when I go to the seminars and workshops and I hear someone coming from you know, some school in, in uh, San Francisco and they have this organic occlusion for example, um, idea, and they start using different terminology that it seems that it's just been created. You have to be, be creative enough to figure it out what it means. You know, mm -hmm. so it's not just that different people use different terminology, but look how much new terminology happened when digital technologies came. Oh, absolutely. Pugs and, you know, um, all kinds of different terminologies that we had no idea existed before. I, I find that Google helps a lot 
You have to be careful with Google, though, because you can find all conflicting informations, and if it's not the legitimate proper, you can you can get hurt by it. Well, I think it's great what you're doing. I love the I love the fact that your school is strong and looking towards the future. But I'd like to ask you a few questions about what you do outside the school. I see that I mean you're you participate in the NADL. Why did you get involved with the NADL? I've been, uh, uh, I started working with the foundation first, and I've been also with the CODA accreditation, um, and I've been the site visitor and uh, CODA review member, and now I'm with the NADL, I'm on the board. And I have to tell you that uh, at first I wasn't sure, but once I started participating in all these boards, what that gave me is just a network of amazing professionals who are so motivated and want to do so much for the profession, and they have no hidden agendas. In fact, they donate their time and money, and they are just giving beyond giving. And it's just so refreshing to work with such masterminds, you know, and movers and shakers like Barbara, you know, who is behind the foundation and NADL and NBC, and she's the biggest fundraiser there is. So just, just you know, seeing these people in action uh, makes me want to do uh, amazing things as well, and I hope I can do uh, I can do that and uh, and just be part of these groups. Just be always motivated and excited, you know, going to work every day. And that's a great answer. And the uh, every single person that I talk to that serves on any of the boards in our industry has that same outlook. Uh, it may be something that they know that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but when they go to these meetings and they, they see things happening and things moving forward, it's so gratifying. So I, I thank you for your contribution and, and I echo your sentiments. I love it as well. And I know Elvis, you're sitting on the board as well. And it's just a wonderful way to give back to our profession. I really, well, really love that it. That creates just yet another level of being a part of that dental technology family. Mm -hmm. I get I, it. I'm ecstatic to be a part of it and to learn from everybody and just see what great things we can do together. I am super stoked about it. So. And you know, that's that's what this profession needs because when I got into it from many corners, I have heard negativity. And I have to say that this year, especially at LMT, which was the, the record attendance of 4,600 uh, people, I have to say that it was such a positive vibe in the air and our students came back and graduates and everybody was turning back saying how exciting it was, how everybody was upbeat. And I think being on boards and having that kind of upbeat, you know, relationship with people and now that trickling into the industry that we finally are coming together and understanding that this industry is a great industry to be in. I think that's that makes a whole lot of difference from where we have been to where we're going. Yep, I agree. I've actually heard a, a lot of dentists this year ended up going to lab day rather than midwinter because we had better programs, which is really? outstanding to me. Well, I met one of those dentists, who, the the Dr. Nathanson from uh, Boston, who is the um, head of the biomaterials department there. And uh, it was just stunning to see him at our show and, and talk to him. And it was great, uh, great honor to have him with us there. Absolutely. I encourage all dentists to know more about what we do. Perfect. Thank you for that.
Yeah, well, thank you so much for the interview. It is our first, so, you know. <laughs> I'm so, so proud to be part of it, and I'm so glad to be able to work with you guys. You are my heroes. Um, thank you. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for joining us. And you know what? Maybe once we get better at this, we'll have you back on, and we'll see if we can uh, <laughs> we can rock time. it again. <laughs> Anytime. Renata, thank I appreciate so it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the first interview is in the bank. That was great interview with Renata. I appreciate her being our first interview on the podcast. Nice work, Barb. Thank you. Well done as well. I enjoyed working with both of you. Look forward to what we do in the future. Absolutely. You know, if I could go back 20 years to my youth and redo how I got started and go to a dental lab technology school, I would totally do it. But I'm a little too far into the game. I mean, those students are going to be graduating with just such knowledge. It'll be easy to get jobs in our industry. Yeah, we definitely need to make sure we encourage anybody interested in the dental lab technology to look into going to an accredited school. I mean, Renata's is the largest in the nation, but there's several still in the country. And, uh, you know, you can't get better education than that. I completely agree. All mine was over the shoulder and I learned a lot. But if I could go back as well, I would definitely have gone to school. Absolutely. Next week, we have something called the Roundtable. It's where we gather some lab owners and some managers, and we talk about an interesting topic that affects us all. Next week's is going to be hiring and training. It's some pretty good stuff. I really look forward to it and hope you guys enjoy it. Yep. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and get all the updates for the show, facebook.com, Voices from the Bench. Yeah, and send us an email with any suggestions, you know, anyone that you would like to hear us interview or any topics you'd like for us to discuss or just some feedback to info at VoicesFromTheBench.com and definitely check out our website, VoicesFromTheBench.com. And for all you Apple fans, we are now on iTunes. Very easy to listen to us. Just search for Voices From The Bench on the podcast app and then hit subscribe. And every week you'll be notified of a new episode. Hey guys, also make sure you spread the word. We're really proud of our first episode. Got a bunch of downloads, but share as many people as possible and let them know about us. Um, We'd appreciate it. Also, we're looking for a CDT feature of the week, tip of the week. So if you have anything, please send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com. We would love to have you. And remember everyone, we're just getting started here. So can you imagine how good we're going to be once we know what we're doing? (laughs) It's going to be a great journey. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.